Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 128. More awards for England hopefuls, Gatland confirmed Lions coach for 2021, and Saris are champions of Europe again. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, another exciting week in the world of rugby and to discuss it all, of course, I'm joined by Dan. Hi, mate. Hello, mate. Uh, yeah, it's been a good week of rugby. A uh, good day to be alive, actually. I'm uh, oh. trying, out a, trying out a new steak restaurant. Well, it's not a new steak restaurant, but it's a new steak restaurant on my radar tonight. And apparently it is amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm you, pretty pumped you, by that. Sl- slight exaggeration to describe it as a good day to be alive or, or is it that good? <laughs> no, 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 no. If, well, I've, I've never been, so I don't know. But apparently <laughs> the supposed steak to be that's is, good. Um, is meant Life to be that changing. Good. Yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, me and uh, the lovely Heather will be going there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll have a have a good steak. Sounds awesome, mate. Sounds awesome. Should we talk about some rugby? Uh, fair enough. I, I wanted to chat a bit more fillet and ribeye, but rugby will do. Okay, well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, look, the, the most important thing—I well, say the most important thing—the most, the biggest current thing, of course, is Sarries did 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 a job. They beat Leinster. They're champions of Europe. 2010. And what a, a job they did. Did you get a chance to watch it? I watched it, yeah. It was awesome. It, it mate, it was it was great. It was um so, so, you know, Sarri's 10-0 down, I believe, just came yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. But their their power was unbelievable. Um Sarri's completely deserved that. I thought some of some of their players were absolutely gigantic. Like Brad Barrett was an <laughs> absolute ridiculous how how good he was. Um he was man of the match, yeah. wasn't he as well? Yeah, and rightly so. Billy had an amazing game. Uh, Will Skelton was great. Owen Farrell, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely I had him back as the best uh, fly half in the world at the moment. Awesome. Uh, I see. I watched it. Billy, Billy's great. I just felt like up, up until he scored his try, it felt a little bit like Billy doesn't have the same impact anymore, and not in a in a he's not as good, but in a it looks like people have worked him out kind of a way. <laughs> then, of course, he scored the try and it was, yes, Billy of old. But do you know what I mean? Like, it feels a little bit like teams of, you know, it used to be that Billy picked up the ball and would suck in two or three defenders and make 10 yards every time he, t- he made a break. And for England, it was amazing to see that because he just created so much momentum and so much kind of, you know, forward, you know, forward momentum. Um, and then in recent times, it seems that, that's not quite the same, and he tends to get stopped quite quickly. I was seeing a lot of that in the game, and then, of course, yeah, as I say, there was that moment um, uh, where he scored his uh, try to, to to kind of seal it, um, where it was very much Billy of old. But do you get that impression, or is that just me? I think I think you've got to look at the opposition. You've got to look how good Leinster are as a team. You've got to look at how much people realise how good Billy is. And no, I, I mean, I, I, I do disagree with that. I, I thought Billy was immense. I think his carries. Um, yes, Billy is a, is a, you know, he's a marked man. People know what he can do. But the amount of carries he did, mm-hmm. it wears them down. And I think that was, I think his power in those carries was a massive, a massive reason that, for that why. Bit, yeah. You, that you know, that ability to, to just keep on doing it. For, yeah, absolutely. For, you know, maybe not 80 minutes because, of course, the sad news to come out of this, I say sad news, it's hopefully 
going to sort itself out is that both Vinopolis came off injured. Um, so while Billy being interviewed afterwards actually said of his injury that um, if he hadn't gone for that try, it wouldn't have happened. And to be honest, he's probably just been a bit soft. Um, so it sounds like it's not too serious for him. But Mako is out for three months. So so I read something that Mako's... Ma- oh, I, he's out for three months. That is that is big. It's big. He, it's So they're saying he will be available for the World Cup. Um, but he's going to miss all of Saracen's remaining involvement in the Premiership and, and the playoffs and everything else. Um, and possibly the start of, if not all of, the World Cup warm-up matches in uh, in sort of August, September. So literally, he's going to be back in time to be sent to Japan, which for, for a player of his quality, I, I don't have a problem with that in terms of, like, you know, of course you still take him. Yeah. He's still part of that squad, and, and hopefully there's no there's no setbacks with his recovery. But it's a bit of a worry, isn't it, that he that he can't that he's not going to play any rugby now until really potentially, you know, his first game in the World Cup. Yeah, that, that is it. It is it isn't a worry because I, I think in that situation, and I may be I may not be remembering this right, but I think it was not that dissimilar to Delalio in two thousand and three, where he'd been out for a while, so he'd played every game to give him game time. If he misses all those matches, like you say, you, you take him anyway because he's that good. Um, but I think he then has the group stages to get up to, you know, within that time, he can still get his fitness. Uh, and he has those group games, even the ones against, you, you know, USA, etc., where he can build that fitness to come the knockout stages, he's raring to go. And he won't have had the fatigue of the warm-up match. Not, not that that's the fatigue, but... He will still be fresh, even if he plays every game in the World Cup. I think he'll still be fresh enough to do that. So, right. yeah. as long as it is three months, that's the key, isn't it? Like we, we hear yeah. this a lot. We get a, you get a, a sort of a, an estimate at the beginning, and and it just turns into more because of problems. I mean, we've also heard, to be fair, we've heard it work both ways. So we've seen yeah. estimates of three months turn into um, six weeks. Probably it's not going to happen but, here, but but if it does, great. But yeah, just the main thing is that he comes back a hundred percent before the World Cup. So so he'd still be there. He'd still be back in time for at least a couple of the warm up matches if it's three months. Yes, he will. I mean, in theory, if if it's three months on the nose, he will be officially back before the warm up games, or, or certainly for 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 the back end of them. Um, but I guess they're just you know playing it safe and saying you know approximately three months. Maybe they mean that that's three months post recovery from a from an op. Maybe he hasn't had the op. I don't really know, but it's um, it's just it's not what you want to hear. <laughs> Four months out from a World Cup, that one no, of your no. one of your key players and key kind of leaders <laughs> is out for three of them. And and he he is key. You're right. He's a key key player. But again, could that be? It could like you say. It can work one of two ways. It could be like he'll he'll come in absolutely firing raring to go. It could be that he maybe loses a bit of sharpness. I don't think that Mako, I think Mako's a good enough rugby brain, a good enough player, but that won't be, I think the only issue might be match fitness. But like say, you can build that during the group games. I, I'm not, at the moment, I'm not worried, but if, if there's something that says, oh, it may be a bit longer or something, my worry levels will rise somewhat. Indeed. Um, obviously, uh, another sort of shout out for Saracens before we move on. Um, the only English Premiership team to have won um, the European Championships three times. 
Well done, Saris. Well done. So just before we move on, something I wanted to say. So last year, Leinster won it. And on the back of that, you noticed the Irish team was stronger. Mm. Now, the fact that actually this had a lot of Irish internationals, a lot of English internationals. Is this one up? Is this a positive to the England team as well? Well, Showing... not, not to piss on your bonfire, but we say that that following that, the Irish team were noticeably stronger. But I, I would argue that it was the other way around and that Ireland appeared stronger. And actually following that, if you look at this season and this Six Nations, Ireland were surprisingly poor for what we expected. Yeah, but I mean, after they won last year, don't forget, they went into the Autumn International. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Where, where they absolutely bossed it. And that's what matters now this autumn. Yeah, they beat New Zealand. Yeah, so maybe that's the, the key. Maybe winning winning means that you're... You know, you go on to have a great six months, which is all we need. That's all we uh, need. That's and, all we need, brother. And then they could be piss poor for a year and then yeah, get, yeah, back, get back to normal. Fine, fine. Yeah, we, we can have a year doing an Alex Good and where everyone just wears their tracksuits celebrating being world champions. That was awesome. Yeah, I love that. Uh, speaking of Alex Good, good good place to move on um, to this one. Um he has officially, we speculated, but he's officially the uh, European Player of the Year. Uh, obviously, a, f- a phenomenal individual uh, award there. And surely, Eddie Jones has to be taking note. I know we've said this before um, about players and, and you know have been um, plaud- applauded, but you can't hide from this, can you? If you're Eddie Jones, like how do you justify not, at the very least, having him in your you know, elite squad. It's, it, it, it's, so, so I don't have the answer. It's, it's hard to hide. <laughs> he is behind. apparently the best player in Europe, but he's not good enough for England. He's not even good enough to get in the 41 man elite playing squad. So it, it, I, he, I, I don't see how he can be left out. I think, and I, it was, I think it was Kieran Bracken who said something like, Sometimes even great players, they, they just don't quite fit the mould of what's been looking to be played. But I think with Alex with Alex Good, it, it's hard to say that what he offers can't benefit. Well, I agree. And Same with Danny Cipriani. Like, even Danny if you Cipriani don't select him, yes, even if you don't select him in your 23, 15 or your 23, surely you should have the, be- the, you know, the best player in Europe in and around the fringes. I mean, Danny Cipriani, as you mentioned... Um, you know he's already won Players Player of the Year. Uh, he's also shortlisted alongside Good and four others for Premiership Player of the Year. Who you would imagine, you would imagine that Good will win that as well. Because I'm not sure how you can be the best in Europe, but not. Ah, uh, no, well, but, no, but I know no, it's European Cup. I, I think Danny Cipriani will win that. Do you think? I think Danny Cipriani's been the best in uh, the Premiership. Well, so if he does, so this is where it gets. This is where it, there's a particular concern for me, right? In the past, we've had situations where awarded players have been unavailable due to playing outside of England. So you had Wilkinson, slightly different in 2013. He'd obviously retired from international rugby. Um, you then had uh, Stefan Armitage in Armitage, 2014. Yeah. You had Nick Abandon in 2015, neither one of whom were available. to. You know They wanted to play, but the rules said no. Yeah. We, we now have two guys. Potentially, we have the European Player of the Year and... The Premiership Player of the Year slash Players Player of the Year, both available, both being considered not good enough or not suitable for this England side, and it's a, it's it, it it's a real concern. It, it it it's hard to 
it's hard to understand. I I do trust Eddie, and I'm not I'm not I do trust Eddie's judgment. Don't forget Alex Good. What I'd say with Alex Good is there are a lot of good fullback options. Like who would you rather have on their day? Absolute playing the game of their life. Elliot Daly, Alex Good, or Watson. I mean, it's it that that is so See, low I'd, I'd, I'd have, it is it is because you'd say it. You'll say uh, Elliot Daly, right? Because yeah, because I we would, know yeah. that you know we 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 see him as a world class player, and we've seen him do things for England recent you know in recent times that have been awesome. But if you've got a guy who is apparently the best player in Europe, you would imagine that he on his day, playing the best game of his life, has got to be someone that you that you have. In the mix, at least, and and when you consider that, you know, well, we don't know yet. We don't know what the the World Cup squad is going to look like, but you know, someone like a Mike Brown is likely to be in contention. It becomes a question like, how does that? And it's no disrespect to Mike Brown, but he's he's so far removed from being in the very very top flight now. When you have people like Alex Good who. You know, are being awarded for their contribution to this game. You know, at the moment, like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me how you can justify not including someone that's been recognised by his peers and by whatever governing bodies are making the decisions as being, uh, you know, one of the most elite players in the Northern Hemisphere. It's um, mate, it's it's a tough one. One one thing I think that probably is worth taken into account it's not so saying he's the best player they're not saying he's 100% the best player in Europe they're saying he's had the best he's been the best player yeah. in the Champions Cup which yeah. is it, it is and, slightly different and don't get me wrong if he'd won this award whilst also being an England stalwart who just couldn't perform for England you'd be saying look for whatever reason he's awesome for his club not so much for his country but since Eddie Jones can only select his England team based on what he sees that has to be based on performance in the Premiership, or, or you know. So, I, I just I don't understand how Eddie Jones can justify not giving him the opportunity when he's playing that well for club to see whether or not he he would be you know he could convert that to to country. And if he couldn't, fair enough. I, I as I said before, you know, and, and actually this is probably a better one for answering your question about Daly versus Good versus Watson. I'm not saying. That I think he he's a he, he needs to automatically be inked into the starting fifteen, or even necessarily the twenty three, but he he has to be part of the squad. He has to be there as an option, um, in my opinion. And it's the same with Danny Cipriani. You know, I, to, to not have them as as options, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not arguing with you here, mate. I I want them both in the wider initial sort of uh, World Cup training squad or, or whatever it's been labelled as. It's it, it, it's hard to know. Um, I, I mean, I guess it's a case of, and I'm playing devil's advocate here because I am with you, thinking if suddenly you brought in an Alex Good at fullback, does that change the dynamic of the way England are looking to play? Does that change? Look at the pace England are looking to play at. Does he play at the same pace as a Watson or a um, Elliot Daly? I would argue possibly not. Um, and, and, yet, so, and yet Eddie played Mike Brown on the wing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so I, th- I, think, I think 
you know, he may not have the out and out raw gas uh, of a of a Daly or a Watson, but I don't think that that's enough to say I don't want to see how you how I don't want to. You know, that's not enough to say I don't want. I don't even want to see how you fit in with this squad and with the game plan we have. Yeah. I, I think he's earned. I think he's earned a chance. Yeah, hundred percent. And and, it, and as we've mentioned before, what goes on behind the scenes during training and 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 what have you, um, there can be factors that we, as the public and the fans, don't you know are unaware of that result in players that we think should be part of the twenty three not being selected. But at least in that situation, it's a, a decision that's being made based on the way that they're playing with their peers in the England setup. I don't, you know, how do you look at a player and say he's phenomenal for his club, but I don't think he'd be very good for England, so I'm not going to even have a look at him. That's that's the issue for me. I think Eddie has to be looking at both of them in terms of having them in uh, in in there in the training squads, you know, being part of the setup. And if if come match day he doesn't want them in the 23, then I'm willing to kind of respect, as you say, respect Eddie's choices and his opinions and accept the team that he, that he plays. Um, but yeah, I want to know that he's taking them seriously. I suppose. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But it's uh it's one of those. It's going to be. Um, it's it's going to be. Well, it's pretty much impossible for us to uh to to know where Eddie's heads at. I I don't know. Um, I don't know where Eddie is. What Eddie's thinking or what he's looking to, what he's looking to do, but. Are you reading something? I'm not, no, why? Right. <laughs> you, you seem like you were trying to work out uh, what to say whilst reading something. No, 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 no not at all. I, it, because this whole thing confuses me. It does mm. confuse me. And, and I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to think, what is Eddie's? What is Eddie thinking? And the, um, the truth is, I don't know, because I'm trying to play devil's advocate. So, yeah. Let, let's get them involved. Do you think when Danny Cipriani met, do you remember when he said a small group of them met with Eddie? Do you yeah. think Alex Good was one of them? I, I, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't, given given what we've seen. Um, you know, and there are there are obviously you know various others. I mean that that um, Premiership Player of the Season list includes it's right here somewhere. Uh, Fafta Clerk. That doesn't really help us much. Who else is in there? Uh, Corbus Reinach. Oh, he, he's been awesome. He's been really good. Uh, Alex Good. Kvesic. You've always been a big fan of Matt Kvesic. I, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Matt Kvesic. Kvesic. I, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be involved. But I'm a massive. Possibly fan. not. But he's another one that's that's you know Premiership Player of the Season nominee. So you know maybe maybe the small group is look if 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 the rest of uh, the Premiership sees you guys as being some of the elites in 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 the game, you know, in England, then let's have a conversation. Let's talk about why, perhaps why I'm not choosing you, despite what these um, governing bodies and, and things think. So, yeah, I would think Cipriani and Good both need to be <laughs> two, at least two of the people in that small group. Um, just, yeah, time will tell. Time will, time will tell, but young I, man. Time but I, will tell. I, I really hope that we see them at least involved in the training squads because, to me, not not selecting them for the training squads is taking the piss a little bit, you know. And then, and then, like I say, willing to accept the route that he decides to go down, having had that opportunity to see them all. Yeah, 
Right, let's move on from that one. Uh, we have actually yes. covered the whole, yeah, both both Good and Cipriani have come up, I think, in the last three episodes. But I, I, th- I think it does deserve, I think yeah. it does deserve revisited again based upon the last week. Well, and, and the awards that they've won, you know, and, and congratulations to both of them for what they've got so far and, and good luck to both of them, you know, with the, the Premiership Player of the of the Year award as well. So um, you're right. It does, who, it, who else is up for that? Who else is up for that award? That's what I just said. Corbus Reinick, Alex Good, oh, yeah, yeah, Stephen cool. Luatua, Matt Kovacic, Faf de Klerk and Danny Cipriani. Who, who are you going for? Uh, I was leaning towards Good because I kind of think if you're the best in Europe, you've surely got to be the best in England too. And I think I'll stick with that. But I, I see what you're saying about Danny Cipriani. I think one of those two probably. Um, although, you know, ironically, Faf de Klerk is in the mix for world player of the year isn't he um, although he didn't win European so I, I, it's a difficult one but I, yeah I, I hope either good or Cipriani well, well Faf de Klerk didn't win European because he wasn't in it he, he wasn't part of the Champions Cup so uh, yeah. so, so I mean he can't uh, and what he's done for South Africa sort of can it, it's kind of weird because when you hear European player of the year you automatically assume oh they're saying best player in Europe they're saying best player in the European Cup that's true um, so it's a slightly, slightly, you know, it, it's, it's slightly different to saying this has been the best player in Europe across everything. It's just saying this has been the best player in the Champions Cup. Anywho. Anywho. Um, yeah, we're going to move on. Uh, Warren Gatlin has been confirmed as the Lions coach for 2021 for the tour to South Africa. How do we feel about this? Well, so I know how you feel. How do I feel? Um it's hard to argue it. That That's how I feel. I, I would l- like to see someone different, but it is hard to argue his results. And actually, I think it might be a good move. I don't think he's going to look to take on another big job before that. Oh, he must actually. That's quite a way. It's still a couple of years. 2021, yeah. But I think any job he takes on now will be taken on knowing that he's got that time for the Lions. So I think this will be the best prepared Lions squad team, best managed. So I, mm. I don't think it's a bad, I, I, he's been, he's been a legend with the Lions as a coach. We can't argue that. Our, our natural instinct is to not like him because he's been the Welsh coach, but he is a hell of a but coach. But, yeah. But, but I think it's not just because he's been the Welsh coach, but it's, it's been because of his, Coaching the Lions, for me anyway, it's, it's because when he coaches the Lions, he leaves out not just English, but he leaves out players that aren't Welsh in favour of, you know, his boys that he knows, who, who are, in my opinion, not as good. Um, obviously not in, in every position, um, but, the, you know, there, there are regularly occasions where you think, how on earth has that guy not been selected? But he has. Um, so I think it will be very interesting. You know, he'll be two years out of the Welsh job. Yeah, um, it'll be very interesting to see whether that has an impact on the Wales factor. Um, but of course, the other big thing, and you, you know, we've we've briefly speculated about the possibility of him joining up with England. It seems to be a, a rumor that's floating around is that there's, you know, it's a very loose rumor, but that that the England job might be in his sights. Do we? How do, how do we feel about that? I, I, I would like him as England coach. You would? I, I would after, because 
the, the theory being that after we win the World Cup, Eddie stays on for another couple of years. And then I'd like Warren Gatlin to take on after the Lions. Okay. Or, or even slightly before. So all the England players go on that Lions tour. Eddie and um, Warren working together for the first, for 12 months. Yeah, I, I, I can't see that. I don't, see that, I don't see that happening. But I, I think he's a very good coach. I wouldn't be upset if he was the next England coach. Um, the, the main one for me, which looks like, it's not going to happen. I know we'll cover this in a bit. It's Sean Edwards. I'd like him to have been defence coach. Um, for England or for the Lions? For England. Um, yeah. Uh, well, well, let's move on to it now because, yeah, I mean, the Gatlin thing, there's not a lot really to talk about other than just, yeah, our, our kind of immediate reaction well, to the well, news. Well, before we move on, what, what are your thoughts if he like took on the England job after that? What, what would your thoughts be on that? I think, like, well, we, we kind of discussed this one the other week, didn't we? And, and the main thing for me is that England improve. Uh, but, no splinters. But I'm not. Haven't finished yet. Haven't finished yet. <laughs> um, but obviously, for for now, it's about the World Cup. Do, do I? I don't have an issue with Warren Gatland. The idea of Warren, Warren Gatland taking over the England job, um, if if that's what they decide is the way to go, I don't. I'm not convinced it'll happen. Um, yeah, I'm not. But I'm not. I'm actually. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about him being the Lions coach, and you know it makes sense and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you look at Ian McGeek and you know, he, he did it what three times, four times. So it's not. Uh, it's not like it's. Uh, you know, he's not. He's not setting a precedent here. It, it, there have been coaches who have done it multiple times. I just feel like the Lions. It's an invitational. I don't. Under, I don't know why it needs to be a a kind of an international coach that is seeing success at that time you know it's a tour it's quite yeah. different you know you look at someone like an Eddie Jones and all of the the skeptics who say yeah he's good for five minutes and then and you know he's all about short term and I know that Eddie Jones has obviously said of the Lions coaching role that he he wouldn't want it but possibly because he knew he wasn't going to get it um but I I just think I don't believe that, you know, if you picked uh, somebody who wasn't necessarily who didn't nece- wasn't necessarily coming off the back of, you know, the form that Gatlin has had, that it's that it's detrimental to the Lions because it's a tour. I just think it's a little bit different. I, I, it would be nice, I think, just to see the coach change. I almost I, think, I, I almost think they should have a rule that it cannot be the same coach consecutively. I, I think consecutively might be okay, but more than twice. I get I get what you say, but then because it is such a unique environment, does Warren Gatlin have such a good insight into that? But but then that, because, that's but, gonna... but you're not playing with the same the same team every four years. So all the players are you know, not all the players, but a lot of the players are experiencing it for the first time. Why not have the coach in the same boat? So they so they experience it together and they develop what works for them for that tour, rather than these people coming in and it's like, oh, Warren Gatland, yeah, he does it this way, so you need to adjust to his way of doing things for the next six weeks or whatever it is. I, I don't know. For me, I just I think it I, I, it would make more sense to mix it up. Maybe put you know maybe put in place a rule that just says you know you can do it as many times as you want. You just can't do it consecutively, um, and and that way you're kind of constantly mixing it up a bit. I think that would be you know because it's a tour. Uh, for me, that would be more more interesting, um, and it would give other people an opportunity. 
the romanticism of the lines or the romanticism, well, whatever word, romanticism of, of the lines. <laughs> I like that idea, but I, I'm not, it, it's not, to me, the lines is the players. Um, I, I know a lot's been put on the coach, but to me, the lines is all about the players and them coming. So the coach side to me slightly plays second fiddle, I think. Fair enough. Guys, get in touch. Uh, let us know what you think about Warren Gatlin's selection. Are you happy that he is going to be the Lions coach? Are you disappointed? Are you not bothered either way? Uh, let us know your thoughts at England Rugby Pod on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, we can share those thoughts in the future. Um, you mentioned before we got onto the, the Lions stuff about Sean Edwards. Um, it's obviously relevant with Gatlin leaving Wales. Sean Edwards is also leaving Wales. Wayne Pivak. Pivak. Pivak? Pivak. Wayne Pivak has actually now come out saying that Sean Edwards' departure is probably financial, which is weird because he's obviously they've discussed his contract, so surely he knows <laughs> it's either, either there wasn't enough money on the table or there was. So if he's saying that, they're not they're not offering Sean Edwards enough cash, right? Well, I mean, maybe Sean Edwards didn't show all his cards. Maybe Sean Edwards was like, yeah, maybe I, you know, I need to change, but he, he may have just got that impression because. Sean Edwards is probably also aware, having been there so long, what realistically the Welsh could pay compared to what, you know, Sean Edwards is in a position now where he can go to, I'd say, pretty much anywhere he wants. Obviously, not absolutely anywhere, but he can go to a lot of different places and he knows there's unions that can probably offer him a lot more money. Well, it's, a, it's like being a long-term employee, isn't it? If you stay with the same company... For, for a prolonged period of time. You're never going to earn as much money as if you bounce around and constantly negotiate your your salary. Um, you know, you always see the people who are earning the most are usually the ones that have been at three, four, five different companies and constantly climbing the ladder, whereas the ones who stay behind and, and are loyal um, get held back. So it's obviously yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't to, it? Yeah, I mean, to, to, unless obviously you're moving to an incredibly senior position that obviously not everyone can do. True. I mean, but but in Sean Edwards' case, we're assuming that he was being, they wanted to keep him on in the same role, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but, it, but he is now being tipped to join up with France. Uh, and obviously what you said last week was uh, that the, the French team have said in no uncertain terms that their head coach will be French. So yeah. we assume he's going over there to do the defence role. That scares the shit out of me. I was going to say, um, one of the areas that you know, we rely on when playing France is fairly poor defence because we know that when things go right in attack, they can be a bit special. So to have someone go in who's proven who might be able to turn them into a bit of a fortress is a bit of a worry. Uh, fortunately, with, with, it's not it's not a worry for this World Cup, but... Yeah, well, with the player Paul France has and the talent they have, if France can finally get their shit together... They are a terrifying prospect. Which France will turn up? Oh dear God! <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is a terrifying prospect. Um, but you know, it's probably a great shout from him. And of course, as we know, France there seems to be an, a, a money tree in France when where rugby is concerned. So I imagine he's about to get paid a shitload of cash. Oh uh, yeah, if he if he goes to France, he's there. I don't know, and and maybe there have been. I have no idea why England aren't fighting for this aren't fighting to try and get him on board there. Probably because they've only just brought in a defence coach. So they're probably saying we don't we don't need or want a defence coach. But but have they brought have the sort of Mitchell, have they brought him in and actually he's 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 not he's, done badly, he's done better than I thought. Um 
have they bought him in long term or have they bought him in just for the World Cup? Uh, I, I don't know, but I was under the impression that he's he's not interim. He's he's been been hired as as England's defence coach. Who would you rather have, Mitchell or Edwards, after the World Cup? Oh, yeah, you'd you'd love to have Sean Edwards just because of what he's done and, and what he knows about the Welsh defence. <laughs> um, but I also part of me feels like you know he's an Englishman who's been loyal to Wales for twelve years, so screw you. Um, <laughs> no, it would be great to have him on board, but it don't, doesn't look like that's going to happen. I suspect I suspect there are timing issues. You know, I don't think England want. You know, what are England going to do? Just say, yeah, cheers. You do a good job for us in the World Cup, uh, Mitchell. But um, when the World Cup's over, we want we want someone else, please. I don't know. Just I feel it feels like England needs to show commitment. Uh, and maybe you know, as you say, we should probably do a bit of digging and find out if if he has been brought on as a temporary coach or not. But if he if it's if it's a, theoretically a permanent position, then they need to back him and. Say, look, we've made the call, we've made the decision we've made, and we're, we're sticking by it, and we're happy with it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and for all we know, Eddie Jones and Sean Edwards hate each other. Uh, they, they might do, they might not. I've never heard it either way. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we move on to the final part uh, of the episode, which is obviously the Premiership, I know we've said we're not going to dwell on it too much, but um, you know, we, we keep want to try and keep everyone uh, appraised of what's going on. Flau has now officially been sacked. He's following the... Uh, um, you know, he, he what was it? What was it he called for? He wanted to look into the initial decision, but it's been upheld anyway. Um, so he has been sacked. We're not going to dwell on uh, what he said and what our thoughts are on that. We've covered that a few times, and you know, half of Twitter is is dealing with that for us. Um, he has, however, said that he's now going to sue or attempt to sue Rugby Australia for wrongful dismissal. Um, so I want to talk to you about the <laughs> the impact a lawsuit is going to have on Rugby Australia four months out from a World Cup. Like, this is this is a problem for them. Have they bitten off more than they can chew? No, so, so my understanding, and this could be complete bullshit, and I could be completely wrong. My understanding, they basically offered him a million dollars after the first sacking to say, look, here's, we'll pay you off your contract. And he said no, and then took them back to another tribunal. They found you know, massive breach of, like, gross misconduct or whatever it is. Like we say, we won't go into reasons. And said, no, you're sat. So what is his agenda? He's also said the easy way for me would be to, you know, you know, back down and take the job and I could make life easier for me, but that would be the devil's work. It's like, well, if that's the case, why are you fighting it? Well, I mean, you, you said we're not going to talk about it. We don't really yeah. <laughs> we don't have a choice yeah, now. Um, we, just quickly then, but the, the agenda is very simple. He's and he, I think he has has come out and said it is that uh, he he's fully aware that his message, or you know, that some people call a message of hate that he believes is is the message of God. Uh, his message gets out there even more. He gets to keep pushing that message the longer he keeps this in in the public eye. And I, I think that's it's. I think it's simply. It's sim- simply put, that is the reason why he's going through this rather than taking the money and walking away because he sees taking the money and walking away as you know, kind of him being hushed and he wants to spread the gospel. Um, so and, that, and the best way he knows how is to uh, f- you know, follow this up with a lawsuit and make a big song and dance about it and keep pumping his message out there. So, so, so my, my, my thoughts on this is this is 
I don't think it will affect the team that much. I'm pretty sure the team, I think Michael Checker might have said to the team secretly, whatever happens here, I'm not going to pick him. Because he, he's almost in a position where they can't be in sort of no man's land now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about secretly. He, I think Michael Checker came out publicly and he said, said... He said it's very unlikely... It's very unlikely he'll, he'll ever play for Australia again. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I took from that, that to mean that Michael Checker's not going to select him, but if someone else was to be brought in, they probably wouldn't either. Yeah, and I, I, I get the impression... Like, Israel Flout is not helping his country, not helping his team. And actually from Rugby Australia and from rugby generally or anything generally, if he won that lawsuit, I think that's a terrible message. It's basically, you, you know, could people, um, and I won't go maybe the route I went down, but say like hardcore Scientologists, would they be allowed, if they were playing rugby at top level, would they be allowed to spout whatever they believe, you know, because that's under religion? You That's not real. That's not life. So, Well, it's, uh, you know, we have said it before. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time. Um, this this issue has never been about his personal beliefs. It's been about understanding that there are consequences to the things that you do and that you say. Uh, yeah. And and in this situation, he's made a, a choice, and he's he's entitled to make that choice. But it's it's resulted in what has happened, um, and that's what he needs to accept. Um, but yeah, the issue is is the attention that Rugby Australia are going to have to kind of deal with that isn't rugby related and isn't World Cup 2019 related and the impact that may have on Australia so, in this World Cup. And I guess there are two two kind of trains of thought here. And one is, you know, could this take a, a, a fairly underperforming Australian side and make things even worse? Because yeah, they're, they're, apart from anything else, they're, they're missing one of the best players in the world. Or could it galvanise the troops and, and, exactly, and yeah. kind of... I, bring something out of them because on paper they're they're still a, a you know an awesome side capable of competing at the very highest level so so from a playing perspective purely from a playing perspective i think it might galvanize them a bit but i think that however much they galvanize will be equaled out by the fact they've lost an absolutely incredible player mm. uh, so i actually don't think it'll make much difference o- overall on the balance of things I don't think, from a player perspective, this stuff is going to make a huge difference because they'll just, uh, I, to them, it's just noise in the background. They don't care. They'll carry on. I think they probably know what the situation is. I think the, the loss for the Australian rugby team is the fact they've lost an incredible rugby player. But I don't think any of this sort of noise about should he be fired, what was said, and all that will make a difference because even if he won, and even if he was reinstated, I don't believe he'd be selected because I, I, that, I think, would have a massively negative impact on the team oh. because of what he said, because yeah. of some belief. So I don't think that's an issue. So I guess, the, wise, I guess the question is, are, are the team as a group of players going to be closer? Uh, you know, we've, seen, we've seen the benefits of that. We saw the benefits of that in the England side when it was clearly apparent that they were a closer-knit group and as a result, they played better rugby. Um, you know, will this kind of bring them together where they where they are kind of jointly in agreement, if you like, that you know his actions, you know, don't speak for the entire team, and in fact, you know, send the opposite message of what they want to send, regardless of their individual beliefs, because that's what this is about, right? It's about saying, look, as a as a team, as a sport, 
the belief system is this. Well, not the belief system, but the, the kind of the message is this. And we accept that. And as a group, that's the message we are happy to to share. And that's inclusion. Um, so will this kind of just make them all kind of pull together and say, do you know what? Yeah, look, guys, we've lost, we've lost a, a massively important player in Izzy. But he decided that, you know, our team, our sports kind of, message wasn't for him anymore and we can't let that affect us and so it kind of almost brings them closer together i mean that's what they've got to be hoping right yeah and and i think to an extent it may it may even do that slightly to an extent i i don't think that um i i think it may even slightly help them but overall i think any impact on the team as a whole is going to be fairly minimal i must admit well, we shall see in about four months' time. Um, we okay, shall. We let's, shall. Let's move away from from all of that. Uh, the the final thing, obviously, we need to talk about. We did cover this last week, um, but it's happening tomorrow, um, and that is, of course, the the final weekend of the Premiership before the playoffs begin. Now we know certain things are already cemented. Newcastle are down, um, so therefore Leicester are safe. Uh, we also know that. Exeter, Saris, and Gloucester are all going to be a part, you know, taking part in the playoffs. So the big question now is, will it be Northampton or Quinns that joins them? Um, and you know, to a degree, there's the question of who who goes in in first place, who goes in in second place. So the first thing we talked about this, as I say last week, do you think Saris are going to put out a an, a sub strength side? given that they've just won. Hell yeah, Europe. hell yeah. Bear, bear in mind they've just won Europe and bear in mind half their players have been on the piss all week. Um, and fair enough, rightly so. I think Saris will put out a weakened side. I think Exeter will put out a top-notch side. I think it will go Exeter. This is my prediction. Exeter, Saracens, Gloucester, Northampton. Right, so Exeter are playing Northampton. So Exeter are going yeah. to put out a top side and we assume therefore win. Yeah. So Northampton are going to lose. I think Northampton will get a bonus point. I think Wasps might be Quinn. Interesting. That's a big. That's a big. Uh, it's at shout. the. It's at the Rico. Yeah, it is a big shout. Wasps. Wasps is still potentially fighting for top six. Um, I. I am sticking with the league as it is at the moment. Um, I would actually prefer to see Quinn's in there, but I just think it might be Northampton. I mean, I asked you this question last week. Would you rather be Northampton or Quinn's? Going into this I'm final sticking, weekend. And, and I said Northampton, you and did, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Fair enough. I, I, I have to stick with... Not. I don't have to stick with Quinns. It's not because I support Quinns. Um, but I genuinely think that playing Wasps, even though it's away, is, you know, in the final game, is a... And knowing that a win is enough. Well, no, it's not necessarily enough because obviously Northampton could win. But I think if you're Northampton playing Exeter, who want to ensure that they get the top spot with the playoffs coming up, um, and kind of give their top boys a, a final run out before the playoffs. You, as Northampton, you're thinking damage control. Uh, I think you're not. You're trying. You want obviously you're going in to win, but back of your mind, whether you admit it or not, you're thinking damage control. Let's you know, can we can we get a bonus point? I think Quinn's going to Wasps. It's a much more. It's much more of a. You know, we we we've got this. This is ours for the taking. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But those are the two big games for me. They are the games of the week. Uh, or Woods ones to watch. To watch. <laughs> I, I, I like uh, it. I like it. Exeter against Northampton. And then, yeah, Wasps against Harlequins. Um, we, we're not going to try and debate top six any further than that because I think there's still potentially... I mean, Bristol on 47 points. Wasps on 47 points. Sale on 50 points. Bath 
who are currently in the top six on 51 points. So so a lot could happen, depending on how results go, with regards to fifth and sixth place, or regards to sixth place, I guess, uh, as Quinns and Northampton are likely going to be four and five. Um, it's been a pretty formidable season. Not not so much if you're a Leicester supporter, but generally for the for the for the the neutral, uh, which I think I, I would say you know yeah I follow Quinns, but I would say I'm a neutral. Yeah, I I think I'm the same. I mean, I I I pick Leicester above others, but not to a point of rugby's absolutely. the real winner, Dan. <laughs> oh, not anymore, it's not. Um, it, yeah, it, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely brilliant. I think it's great for the Premiership. I think it's great for rugby. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Who, assuming it's my top four, so I'm yeah. taking Quinns out of it specifically. So as, it, as it stands right now. As it stands right now, who <laughs> do you want to win it? I think Saris. You want them to win it? Uh, because, only because of the World Cup. Right, okay. okay. I, I feel that, like that add to uh, European champions, add, you know, add premiership champions as well. Um, and given how many England, you know, in, not just how many England players they've got, but how many important England players, you know, they've got, I just feel like that's that's good. But it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to be, well, no, I, well, I was going to say it's going to be an extra Saracens final, but I actually think Gloucester... Might well maybe I want Gloucester to win. I don't know, mate. Is the is the is the honest answer? I thought I felt had strong opinions. Uh, I part of me does feel like third or fourth place winning is it just there's something not right about it. And when you look at the points difference, uh, you know Gloucester are currently on sixty six, Exeter on eighty one. You know, let's say that Quinns end up in you know in there. Uh, they're currently on 55 to Exeter's 81. And if Quinns went on to then win the Premiership, you'd feel like there's almost a 30-point difference between them and the people that actually came at, came out on top. And is that fair? Um, but yeah, I, I I think Saracens because I think it benefits the World Cup, but I would quite like to see Gloucester do it. I'd, I'd like to see Gloucester do it because they're probably my favourite team, but... If not, I'd like to see X to do it because I think they've had the best season. Which yeah, which kind of fits with what I was saying. Um, which is yeah, fair, yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, well, there you have it, guys. So um, some big games this weekend. Uh, it'll be an awesome end to the the, the kind of the, the the final standard weekend of the Premiership, um, and then of course we've got playoffs to look forward to, which will be awesome. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add this week, Dan? I don't think so. Great. Well, guys, look, thanks so much for tuning in once again. Um, we will, of course, be back. I think the next episode we are going to, as promised, even though it's taken a little while, I think Mr. Budgie Jointed um, had sent us his Barbars uh, team. So we're going we're gonna to deal with that in the next episode. Um, but uh, as always, yeah, as I say, uh, get in touch if you've got anything that you would like us to discuss or you've got any questions for us at England Rugby Pod or email us, englandrugbypod at gmail.com. And if you get the opportunity... As I always say, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could get over to iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review, let us know what you think. And of course, spread the word because uh, the World Cup is only four months away now uh, and we want to get as many people tuning in as we possibly can um, when the uh, when the competition ends. So we will catch you guys next week and thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs>